Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Health Conversations, I speak with Tom Robrack and Brad Baker, two physiotherapists from Minnesota who helped me organize a seminar in Minneapolis. We talk about the silly things we used to do in training, physio school, how rehab has an amazing opportunity to shift and teach health instead of managing disease, strategies to take back physical education in grade school, we talk about movement screening, and we go over a few other topics that the conversation led to. Really enjoyed talking to these guys, and I hope you find the conversation informative. This episode of the audio project is sponsored by TFC Balance Beams. Our team at TFC discovered a while back that challenging balance work can be a powerful tool to integrate the feet and the hips and restore optimal alignment. The beauty about balance beams and, and working on balance is that you don't need anyone telling you what to do. With a bit of consistency, the brain learns through problem solving how to align your joints and fire the right muscles to stop you from falling over. We make all of our beams in Canada. We powder coat them so that they're really durable. And we provide everyone that purchases a beam from us a link to get to a movement database uh, where you can find a bunch of different movements that challenge you from really easy to really hard as you progress. Check out our selection of sizes and models at tfc-shop.com and click on the beam tab. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear for our seminars and workshops. They make super high quality cases in Canada that keep your electronics safe during travel. And you can check out their cases at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. So let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick here, back for another episode of Health Conversations. My two guests today are Brad Baker and Tom Broback. So right now we're sitting in a hotel room in downtown Minneapolis. Um, we're here for a seminar on uh, tomorrow. Is today Saturday? Yeah, tomorrow. So March 31st in um in minneapolis minnesota these two gentlemen are um young physios that have recently graduated basically invited me out here and you guys did a good job promoting it because we got you know uh, mid-20s in terms of people coming so thank you guys so much so why don't we just start by just each of you just do a brief introduction uh who you are what you're about you know whether that includes what you did at school or whatever you want basically the coles notes one minute intro um let's start with tom and then we'll go to brad Thanks, Nick. Appreciate you for having us on the podcast today. No worries, man. Um, so yeah, I grew up here in Minneapolis, just south, about a half hour south, and uh, went to college in Minnesota, and then ended up PT school um, at University of Minnesota, where I met this guy Brad. We met our first year, and uh, we graduated together about two years ago now. Cool. And uh, we've both been uh, outpatient orthopedic setting since then, and. Uh, we really enjoy sports, being outside, spending time with friends and family. So we have a lot of common interests, which cool. really helped us kind of bond. And uh, So did you guys know each other before school? Nope, met in grad school. Okay, cool. Yep. yep. Very cool. Okay. And then uh, started following you about maybe a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a lot in- more interest in uh, foot health and whole body health, like you say. And uh it's led us to today, which if you would have told me a couple of years ago we'd be doing this, I would have shaken my head and thought you were crazy. So we appreciate you having us today. Cool. Well, thanks for the uh, – well, let's go, let's go, Brad. Introduce okay. yourself. Yeah, yeah. along the same lines. Um, grew up in Minnesota, um, St. Cloud, and went to school at the U of M. Um, stayed there for grad school and met Tom there. We lived together for a couple of years. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, as far as physical therapy, it's just kind of been a journey where we graduated a year and a half ago, roughly. And I feel like within that year and a half, there's been a huge learning curve with a lot of your content, Nick, and, and things like that too, where, um, I think I've learned a lot more in the past year and a half than I did the, I don't know, 22 before that. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I always tell people when you graduate school, the learning really starts. Oh, you go 100%. to school to get letters beside your name so that people trust that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. But the first couple of years, you really don't know what you're talking about. Yep. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So this morning, we uh, these guys were they took me out to Top Golf, which is a new uh, new place in Minneapolis. It was super busy. Like it was. Yes. Yeah. So Top Golf, if no one's ever been, it's basically this three story. Uh, it looks like a driving range, but it, they actually have it set up pretty good. You got, you know. Sh- Top Golf didn't pay us to say this. Uh, it was just, <laughs> it was just it was sponsored just a, by Top Golf. Sponsored by Top Golf Minneapolis. Um, no, it was really fun, and you get, you can play a bunch of games, and it's like really. We were talking about how it's like really accessible, right? You don't have to be a good golfer. You don't have to be in the bush half the time when you're on the course. If you suck, mm-hmm. uh, you can just like chip it in, and they they basically track your ball and give you points, and it's like. Um, anyway, I'd never been before and it was a lot of fun. So thank you guys for uh, suggesting it, that and bringing me to that. Of course. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, I think one thing that came up this morning, uh, Tom picked me up at the, at the hotel and we talked about, you know, the dumb things we used to do in training. And I think that, that that'll probably be a, let's start with that. And like, you know, for me, the non-functional element of training you know trying to trying to get the biceps and the pecs yes. basically was what, it was, what, was what it was all about and looking back now at how i trained in high school you know i wish and that's kind of the perspective i take when kids in in high school uh come and see me with an injury the perspective i take is like what do you want like you can tell some of these kids go to the gym right they come in with huge biceps and like nothing else and and their legs are like invisible um (laughs) you know so i tell them like okay you you treat them you you get them to understand why they're there why the injury's there then you're like what do you want to do what sport do you play do you want me to help you be really good at your sport by just giving you some general prep advice on how to get strong fast without creating imbalances and they're like well yeah duh of course i do because i look back and i'm like wow i could have done so many things so much different like very differently in my training and been a, both a way better athlete and also had way fewer problems. Um, so yeah, like for me, the biggest thing that jumps out is I benched too much and I never squatted. That was my yes. biggest regret in my early training career. Um, and I, and we even talked about sleep too. Like your, your status quo in high school is being underslept, mm-hmm. you know, which like partially has to do with how early school starts in terms of hours um but it also has to do with the fact that you don't even know sleep's important you're like sleep burr, you know i want to play video games or i want to do this or just, you know i don't want to go to bed right. bed going to bed's boring um and and i think it's hard to get buy-in from kids because they don't really care about sleep uh and they just think that being tired and underslept and groggy every day is just normal so you know i think sleep and less bench more squat would probably have been my biggest ones uh what about you tom Silly things you used to do in training. Absolutely. Um, Definitely agree with you on on the bench press. Um, Spent too much time trying to get those numbers (laughs) up and not really caring about the squat numbers. Let's be real. Bench pressing is fun, though, in high school. Oh, I mean, especially big weight. It's just like, that's so much fun. Especially if you bounce it hard off the chest. (laughs) Get get those extra reps in. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so in high school, you know, short guy trying to play basketball, I just always want to get my vertical up. So. 
would just do a bunch of calf raises all the time <laughs> and calf uh, raising all day long. <laughs> never really thought the knees or the hips played any in part into uh, into jumping higher so would do a bunch of calf raises walk on my calves all day and <laughs> Just yeah, think you said that, you literally walked on your toes, too. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, I thought, you know, oh, this is going to help me jump a little bit higher. So um, <laughs> that was kind of big. And yours was kind of similar, too. Yeah, with, I, was, uh, I mean, I was, I was the same way where, you know, if you, if you can bench double what you can squat, you're probably not in a good situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's just because I never squatted at all, even body weight. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, mine was the same thing where I wanted to jump higher, but I didn't think logistically about the role of the hips or the knees. I was just yeah. like, okay, I need my calves to be, like, jumping out of the back of my leg um so i would my, my routine was bunch of jump ropes just for reps okay um that's, which, still, that's which not terrible not terrible yeah. um but then i would wear those those like jump sole shoes where <laughs> the uh, negative under, heel ones yeah under like the forefoot you got i don't know like a six inch lift and then nothing under your heel so it just forces you to walk like in a neutral position on your foot all day that's but like classic so you're doing a calf raise all day long you, oh you're doing a calf raise all day long nice. um and then yeah, I would walk around with those plus the ankle weights around the, the ankles <laughs> for that added effect, you know. Yes. And I figured that was what MJ was doing, so I was doing the right stuff. Nice. And then supplement that with a bunch of, you know, whey protein shakes. And yeah. how can you not jump higher with that? You know? Yeah, you're right. And okay, so people out there can't see, but um, Brad is six. How tall are you? Six, seven? Six, seven. Yep. Yeah, so Brad's six, seven. So he, let's be real. Tom really needed the jump. Yeah. He needed that, <laughs> that extrovert more than that. Um, I should have used the ankle weights, I think. Yeah, so yeah, it would have helped me out. That's what got it. Yeah, those yeah. shoes, man. That's, um, where, that's where he had But you. then, so after I do the calf raises and called it a day, <laughs> bench press and then calf raises, nice. um, I thought to get in shape, you'd have to go on like a slow, like three-mile run. Yep. And that would help you somehow get faster or get in shape for right. uh, a speed and power sport. Um, so I always thought, and that was always super hard because I wasn't trained or conditioned to do that playing football basketball and doing sprints and tracks so i always saw that that would be added benefit instead of you know maybe going down the track and doing three to five really hard sprints mm-hmm. and uh with ample rest in between that might have been a little bit of a better approach um, yeah yeah i never liked um i never liked running like i i never i always hated running when we whenever we had to do distance running as a swimmer when i was younger and we would cross train and go in the back of the the facility I was at had a big like outdoor running track and I used to hate it because I was always I would always get gassed mm-hmm. right? and it always confused me because I was like okay I can I can swim for an hour straight and not get too gassed but I can I run for ten minutes and I'm destroyed and I think you know one thing I realized even in the past this has been relatively recent like in rugby you run really really fast and then you jog slash walk and position yourself like you're not really running the whole time although it's definitely more continuous than something like um football um but i i realized in the past couple years i didn't like running because i sucked at running i was a very inefficient runner it wasn't my uh gas tank that was a limiting step it was the fact that i wasn't moving efficiently and when i started to run efficiently now i actually really enjoy running because Number one, I don't get complete gassed out after like five minutes. But number two, it it gives me this different perspective of okay, I just have to get be better at moving, be better at the skill of running, and then automatically, oh, I can actually breathe now because my body's in a position to breathe. Oh, I can actually run for longer distances because I'm not putting the brakes on every step I take by heel striking. So I think that was a big eye opener for me. But you know, those three mile runs feel like 20 mile runs when you're not running properly so i think that's a big part you know we're gonna talk about that in the seminars people don't pay attention to how they're running they just run 
Yep. Right. I think that, okay, running I need to do for conditioning or if I'm a, an actual runner, I just need to put in a lot of miles. And the, the mindset there is the more miles you run, the, the more efficient you get. But what we didn't consider is the fact that our bodies don't move like bodies are supposed to move um, or, or moved, you know, back in the day when our bodies are really evolved, uh, evolved to be endurance running machines. But we didn't evolve to wear wacky shoes and to sit in chairs all day. And, and when you right. put those two things in the loop, it's like, yeah, it really messes up our ability to run. Um, so any other weird things that we did in training? So going back to grad school, my first year of grad school, I decided to run a marathon. So the stress of starting grad school with the stress of a marathon, and I've never run more than, you know, a 5K. So <laughs> a half, a learning I, I literally told myself the half marathon seems too easy. I need to do the full. Yeah. But I, half. I, it's I, that half word. It's like I'm half-assing it. But right. yeah. um, But I stopped strength training because I just wanted to run every day. Yeah. And, uh, and I stopped playing, like, you know, pickup basketball or just kind of that other exercise activity that I normally did. And... Uh, yeah, I, I got hurt in training and it just wasn't as, as well. I did finish the marathon and, uh, nice. might be the first and the last, but, yep. um, just cool. having that balance, even if you're doing something as big as a marathon or, or some of these other crazy events that th- there's more to it than just, just if you want to run, there, there's, there's yeah. other components that can really help you. So, yeah, I think, you know, cross training, uh, people's vision of cross training is like going on a bike. Yeah, yep. I'm cross training. I'm doing some cycling. I'm cross training. I'm going on an erg or swimming. It's like, why don't you lift weights? Why don't you right. work on your movement patterns? Like, these are such simple things that really are fundamental to just having a healthy body, let alone on the performance side of running. If you have better hip extension, you will be a more efficient runner. You will be a better because what you do to become a, a better in terms of performance with running and what you do to stop from getting injured are the exact same things. Right. right. It boils down to efficiency. If you're more efficient, you're going to use less energy per kilometer covered or per mile covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to be using the right joints for the right jobs and using more elastic energy instead of muscular energy. Um, and, you know, if you're efficient, you're using a lot of elastic energy being recycled. And whatever energy is absorbed and recycled by the elastic components of your body, like your tendons and your muscles, um, is energy that is not absorbed by your skeleton which is always a very good thing because your skeleton sucks at absorbing impact forces. So yeah, it's um, like, I definitely have a renewed perspective on running and who knows, maybe down the road, you'll have a renewed perspective on it as well. When you uh, start to look at running a bit differently as something right. like that's a skill to master, right? Maybe not jump into a marathon right away, again, but, <laughs> um, but Hey man, I respect, I respect the goal. It's just uh, sometimes you need to do that to, to, to learn, right? Like the exactly. first time I ran five fingers, I felt like someone literally just took a razor blade and sh- cut both my calves off. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, I guess I did too much too soon. And, right. uh, and sometimes the lesson that you learn is just literally by diving in, doing too much too soon and seeing the result of it. And that's, that's kind of your data to be like, okay, I, I know I got to go differently about it next time. And the beauty of it is if you have an efficient plan, you have a smart plan, you've thought it out, you've worked with people, it, uh, it doesn't take a lot of your time or day to to add some of that stuff in to allow you to do yeah. the things you want to do and if you change a couple things during the day modify your your positions and behaviors during the day it really it really adds up quick so and that's the beauty of it oh it adds up so quick and it's like i always tell people the other 15 hours are the most important right if you sleep for eight which if you don't you should and you quote unquote exercise for one 
that's nine hours. You got 15 hours left in a day. Mm-hmm. What you do during those 15 hours is literally way more important for your sport than the one hour that you quote unquote exercise. Um, and, and we talk about health in general, those other 15 hours are the easiest ones to tease away beneficial habits, right? Sitting on the ground instead of sitting on a chair, moving instead of not moving. Like these are so, so simple, but the things that people I think discount the importance of that part, because that's where the accumulation, um, happens in terms of mobility problems, right? It's also where the cumulative effects compound in terms of having a daily mobility practice. Um, and even Brad, you talked about, you know, having a physical practice that's sustainable. Right. Right. So that was some of the dumb stuff we did in training. Um, But, you know, and I think the the underlying theme there is having a baseline education of movement quality, right? Like instead of diving full force into something or just training a certain way or training a certain muscle group, it's like train movements instead of muscles Mm -hmm. and have a baseline knowledge of movement quality is way more important than how much you're moving. Right. Because the people that move the most, if they move shitty, are actually the people that get injured the most. Right? Everyone yep. thinks exercise is good for you, but if you exercise and layer on, you know, reps or or kilometers or load on top of bad movement patterns, you're fast tracking yourself to injury and you're also making it harder to break those bad habits later on. Yeah, so, 100%, so you, 100%. I mean, that's like we were talking this morning where you just get caught in that hamster wheel of like, you know, you go to work sit at a desk for eight hours and then you try to kill yourself with a workout and then you're running where your hips are all locked up or whatever and you're just adding cortisol to your already stressed out day and your system and um yeah i think that you know like you're saying it's all about understanding what you're doing you know grading your exposure to it building into it um being patient be patient yeah it's not going to happen overnight yeah like no one want no one has patience anymore whether that's getting rid of uh pain no one's ever has patience. Like, I just want to take this pill. I know I can probably put the hard work in and do all this and, and get rid of it. Most people don't even know that. But even the ones that do, they're like, yeah, I'd just rather take the pill. It's just easier. Yep. And it's not until they realize, like, okay, by taking the pill, you're not fixing the problem. Because people think that, oh, I want to take the easier. Okay. If there's a little easy path and a hard path, but they both get you to the same place. Yeah, I agree. Take the easy one. Right? Like, d- do the least amount of work to get the result you're after. Right. Right. The problem is, is people are being led to believe that that easy path leads to the same place when it really doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Like taking a pill to get rid of your pain really doesn't get rid of the problem. It just allows, it's like your house being on fire and you just plug your ears and sing to yourself and say, oh, it's all good. Right. It's like, no, that's not true, right? And in fact, your house is burning down while you're doing that. Your knee's getting worse while you pop that Advil to get rid of the signal. And I think we just have to reframe a lot of these things because people are being misled. Right. People make decisions based on whatever information or data they have. Yep. If they have shitty information and data, they're not going to make very good decisions. And it's not on purpose. It's just they're not being given the right information to make good decisions. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, that's what we're trying to do at TFC is just you can wear whatever shoes you want. If you decide to wear shitty shoes that damage your feet, that is fine. You're an adult. You can make whatever decisions you want. But do you know that there's a cost to the shoes that you're wearing? And I think the answer for most people is they don't know. Right, they're not being told that. No one's telling them that. The companies that sell them the shoes are not telling them that. Podorthis and doctors are not telling them that. They don't even know. I feel like a lot of them don't even know that that's actually the case. And so, you know, the rate limiting step is education. Yep. And quality education because they have they have access to all this stuff. Everything that we teach is publicly available on Google. 
in whatever books or textbooks or art, you know, um, journals you want, the hardest part is finding it and filtering out all the crap in order to get to the relevant information that's actually good, right? Like unlimited knowledge is great, but then how do you, you know, unlimited information rather is great, but then the power comes in being able to have clarity mm-hmm. to navigate through all that stuff. And I really think, you know, school doesn't do us any favors because they just teach us to, you know, learn this. Don't ask questions. Learn this. You need to learn this. We say this is good information. You need to learn it. But it doesn't teach us to say, okay, this is information. Now we're going to teach you how to critically evaluate and determine whether that's good information and bad information by using science, by using uh, reasoning or, or the use of logic. You know, these things seem to have been thrown out the door. And that's why everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, Google told me to do this. It's like, yeah, well, Google doesn't know who you are. And Google tells people a lot of shit that's probably not the best for them. But um, so, yeah, having a sustainable practice and knowing why you're doing things. Well, and, and we joke about things we did growing up that were obviously we look back on now and we laugh and everything. <laughs> but it's like we found that information somewhere like yeah. somewhere somebody suggested doing that. Yeah. And if you look online, you can find anything. I mean, there, there could be an exercise program that's giving you the worst possible information but someone says that it's good right mm-hmm. so so i think that like at a baseline as humans we all want to try to do what's best for us yeah but if we don't know what that information is it makes it damn hard to you know know how to approach any situation with that and same thing with exactly. your training where it's like you know if i work at a desk for eight hours like how do i know that going on a run is bad for me for an hour if like it makes me feel better afterwards you know yeah. and if it's my knee hurts and i think that that's related to something else like there's just a lot that plays into it where i think that um the information is all out there to your point but getting the correct information is hard yeah getting rid of the noise i hear that all the time it's like yeah i go for a run because it makes me feel good and like i think things that humans are intuitively supposed to do have this intrinsic reward system right if you go out for a run you get this rush of natural chemicals because you're doing something you're supposed to if you eat um delicious yummy food that has sugar you get a positive signal because way back when you literally had to climb a massive tree and get stung by 100 bees to get refined sugar right like you deserve a reward for that (laughs) Um, if you have sex you get a reward it feels good these are natural things that are basically our body's way of saying yes good keep doing that but now and you're right, people will go for a run. They're like, I feel good, but my knee hurts. But you know why my knee hurts? Because I got bad knees. You know, my dad had bad knees. My mom had bad knees. I just, it's just family. It. Yep. I just got to run through it. And it's like, well, do you know that you don't have to have knee pain? Because that's a real thing, right? And, and, and sitting all day and then going for a run is actually part of the reason you're having knee pain and is the main reason you're going to continue to have it until you fix that. Mm-hmm. And, and there, it, it's... I always tell people it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple to understand how sitting all day creates knee pain. It is not easy to get rid of sitting because modern life revolves around sitting. And you literally have to go an extra step and take a lot of extra effort to get away from sitting because everything revolves around sitting. Mm -hmm. Right? So you're right. And it's like not only giving them the information, but emphasizing why they should be interested in making that change. Right? Like we're, I, I often tell people as of, as a physical therapist or anyone that works with someone in the world of health, you are a um, motivational force for behavior change, right? You're trying, to motiv- you're trying to help people change their behavior and you're trying to inspire and motivate them as to why they should be changing that behavior because oftentimes it involves more work. It's the more inconvenient route to have a healthy body is to, um, or having a healthy body or getting back towards that is the more inconvenient route. Right? Disease is convenient and easy. Sitting on a couch all day is convenient and easy, but it will cause you problems. And having a daily mobility practice 
initially sucks because you're like, oh, God, this is so uncomfortable. Why am I doing this? I could just sit on that nice, comfy couch. It looks so much funner. But it's like, yeah, but if you do that for the rest of your life, you're never going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, you just have to be good at motivating people and, and showing. Like one way to do that is say, yeah, I used to be like that. Now I'm like this. How right. did I get from A to B? I just worked on this shit. That's how I know it works. That's why I'm teaching it to you. And I think coming from that personal perspective, we all did the silly stuff when we were young. Yep. Right. And the people that told us, like coaches are often the people that tell you that they're not telling you, trying to tell you to do bad stuff. They just think that that's the best way of doing it. And back then, you know, what we did to pregnant women in terms of the drugs we gave them way back when is crazy now that we think about it. But at the time, that was the best way of doing it. Yep. And yeah. so, you know, the Pedorthus that makes orthotics is not an evil person. But when that person is purposely neglecting to learn the better way of doing things and take new information in, or purposely or knows that information is purposely not changing because it's the harder way of doing it or because it's not as financially rewarding, that's when there's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's not doing something a certain way. It's it's refusing to change when you have better information. So And it's additionally more difficult now because it's so easy in our lives to be comfortable at this time and place. Yeah. I could stay in this hotel room for the entire weekend. Yeah. Watch Netflix, sit on social media, yeah, be great. Um, order food in. <laughs> That's a great, and, great uh, weekend. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it sounds fun. That's it's what easy. I try to avoid That's, to do when I go away because <laughs> it's too easy. <laughs> That's that easy route, but you almost have to structure it so you do become uncomfortable. You you do go yeah. out and try things that really push you because our especially our generation we haven't had these huge these huge struggles that other generations before us have had. Um, so life has gotten a lot more convenient and that helps in a lot of regards, but we do have to consider the ramifications of that and, and structure some more difficulty and challenges in our life. Yeah. I always think it's, yeah. And you do, you have to engineer struggle in your life. I love, I love that kind of sentence because it is so true. And this is like, it's funny, like 10,000 years ago, you go up to someone and you're like, yeah, I'm purposely going to go for a walk out in the cold and I'm going to lift this shit and it's not going to help me feed myself. They'd be like, well, why are you doing that? Man? <laughs> you okay? should be sleeping. Yeah. You should be resting. We have to hunt later. Right. You got to get food or you're not going to have energy to get food. And why are you wasting precious energy? We just spent six hours hunting an animal. Don't waste the energy you just ate. But now it's different. Now you can go any corner store. You can go in and buy like, 50 Snickers bars and crush them all if you wanted to. (laughs) It's not even that expensive. And so, you know, getting food is not a problem. Um, Being physical is an option. Okay, because you don't have to be if you don't want to, right? Bezos, you know, what you're doing with Amazon is good, but also the fact that anyone can have their food delivered to their... You don't even have to leave your house anymore. Right. Okay, if you wanted to, you could probably pay someone to come and, you know, change your pants for you you can get food delivered to your home you can get anything you want off amazon delivered to your home you you know you do not have to this is these are that's one extreme of the continuum but on the other extreme like being physical the thing is i find with being physical or having a mobility practice all you have to do is get the first domino to fall right like starting a habit or starting something that doesn't seem like it's enjoyable right cold exposure prime example it's like yeah i don't like taking a cold shower most days i don't like going in ice water but I know after I'm done, I will feel so much better that having that piece of data in my brain saying like, okay, this is going to suck for a short period of time, but it's going to be really good for a long period of time. And it's like the net effect of what you always have to look long-term into the net effect of something. Like I'll give you an example of food. Okay. I'm going to eat this tub of ice cream. Okay. I get five minutes of mouth pleasure. It's going to be amazing. It's going to taste so good. It's going to be awesome. And then I'm going to have two hours of feeling like a shit. 
right? Yeah. When I go to the bathroom, it's going to look like soft serve coming out the other end. I'm not going to feel good. I'm not going to have very high energy. So like the net is five minutes of mouth pleasure, two hours of shitty feeling. And this instant gratification of people, number one, loving that mouth pleasure, which is addictive. But number two, they don't connect the two. They don't connect feeling like shit with what I just ate. They don't connect. They don't even have the motivation to start being physical or pushing your body to the point where it's so uncomfortable, but they don't feel that two hour period after where you're like, I feel amazing right now, right? So it's getting the first domino to fall. It's making the connection of you eat this, you feel crappy. Those two are connected. You don't move. You feel stiff. You have pain. Those two are connected and getting them motivated enough to just start some sort of movement habit. And then when they're like, oh my God, I feel amazing. I've started to work on my hips every day this week. I worked on my hips for five minutes. I feel great. My back doesn't hurt as much. My knees aren't bugging me. My hips feel good. I feel like I can move. When I go for a walk, it feels great. Once they f- get that feedback loop, once you, insinu- once you get that feedback loop started by just getting them motivated, they're on their own because then they, they use that positive feedback to reinforce and do more of what, that, what they were doing, right? But the hardest part is getting people started, and that's really what you know, physical therapists is getting people started. You don't fix people. You get them to realize movement is enjoyable. It feels good. It taps back into your, these primal kind of feedback loops, reward loops, um, but but the fact that it's optional means that you have a steep hill to climb with people sometimes. And, um, and, and you know, that's the challenge with health, right? It's, 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 but it's all education. Right. It's all education, right? Yeah, there's some value in manual therapy and, and having, you know, literally physically touching someone and building connection there. But that touch and connection you're building is literally just to build rapport, I feel. So that they are more, they trust you, they believe in you, they want to listen to you more. So that the stuff that you say, which is the most powerful stuff, goes further, is more impactful, all that kind of stuff. Right, and that's that's like I tell my patients that all the time. Where it's like if I'm seeing you in six months, I'm doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. my goal is to if you're educate someone you. continuously for six months. Yes, yeah. yeah, sorry. So, so my goal is to educate you, give you as much autonomy as possible, and let you create your own physical practice. Where here's the tools that you need Mm -hmm. and you know when to use them and you know how to use them and you know how to just operate your body in a better way where it's not like you have to rely on me or any other healthcare provider to you know instill you with that feeling of you know hey my hips feel better my back feels better etc yeah exactly always trying to create independence and i think that trickles over you know the world of fitness and the world of wellness um you know are, are just are this are the line is blurry Right, but they're different mm-hmm. points on a on a continuum. It's like disease, wellness, fitness. I listened to a podcast recently. I have to give you guys that podcast. I think it was Julie uh, Fouché. I, I might have said that wrong, but they had a couple of physios on. It was a really good podcast to any physio out there. Um, but they talk about the continuum of disease. Or they call it something else. I think yeah. Anyway, it was like disease, wellness, fitness, and you're trying to go. Everyone's on that continuum somewhere, yeah. right? And you're trying to go from one to the other to the other. And I, I think whether it's in fitness or whether it's in wellness, your goal is to create independent humans, right? This age of personal training where someone has to be there to count your reps and you're paying thousands of dollars for them to su- quote unquote supervise what you're doing yep. is so silly, right? It's just so, yeah, sure. And, and people are like, well, some people just need that, man. Some people need someone there, bro, to count the reps. <laughs> it's like, really? Do they? Or did you convince them that they need that? Right. Because if they knew they could do it, by themselves and they could do it with another with a community instead of just with 
you dropping bro science on how to do lunges, um, I think they would probably want to be independent. They would probably want to save that money and maybe spend it on better food. You know, like these are, let's take a macro view of this and get out of this funk of, okay, if your job revolves around counting someone's reps or saying, yeah, keep going, keep going, uh, you're probably going to be biased to thinking that, that that's necessary. Well, and then they're reliant on that extrinsic motivation too yeah, where it's like exactly are what, are they, what are they supposed that? to do if you retire someday yeah. you know like like what <laughs> i never thought of that it's very true so and everyone you, has the capacity to get themselves better everyone has a capacity to understand the fundamentals of training so that yeah. you can do whatever movement you want to feel good or are you gonna say Tom? if you can find one other person that has similar training goals to you or similar yeah. fitness goals health goals or starting then, somewhere similar to you exactly then you can compete against each other because a lot of people who are into fitness love to compete. Yeah. And then you can use that to to further your gains and further your journey instead of always having to rely on someone else to, you know, pay someone else to have, you know, find that that buddy system, find that, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's your, your family, your friends, or oh, yeah, some good point. neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and then it, it turns into competition because you know they're doing really well and they're trying to to, to reach their goals and, if they align with yours, it uh, you don't feel so isolated on your own, and and, yeah. uh, and sometimes you feel a little helpless. It's like oh, I don't know what to do next, but you get that community, like you've said, yeah. and uh, you get a lot of progress that way. That's a huge pillar of health too, is community or relationships. I think people get better as a community. People improve and and find like support in the community. And you're right. Instead of the personal trainer yelling at you to keep going, why don't you just have someone that keeps you honest for free? Right? right, you keep them honest. It's like it's not free because they're getting the same service from you. It's like a barter system. Right. I will make sure that you're keeping yourself honest and pushing yourself in a respectful way, and I expect you to do the exact same thing to me. It's a and symbiotic gonna, relationship, yep. exactly. And it's like this communal relationship where you get a big group of people together, and if you skip out on a session, people are like, "Hey, what's up? Why didn't you come?" Right. Oh, I had this thing that was, you know, my my sister was sick or whatever. Okay, that's all good. I hope your sister's doing well. You know, let us know if you need anything. Or if you're like, yeah, I just didn't feel like coming. People are like, dude, I came. Step your shit up. It's like, oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this community yeah. that keeps you honest. And it's not being done because someone's you're paying someone to do it. It's being done genuinely because that person actually cares about you. And I really think that from a mental health perspective, knowing that people care about you and have your best interests in mind, even if it sometimes means being harsh on you and making you realize that being lazy is not cool, is not okay, even yeah. though that's so easy to be. Yep. Um, I, I think that that's, that's part of the allure with CrossFit, I think, because they've done, you know, I, I am, I'm neutral on CrossFit. I think there's so many good parts with that whole community and movement and, and the fact that they're going into like the wellness and health space. Yeah, sure. There's a few things that I don't personally agree with, with CrossFit in terms of how they do things, but it, who am I to say anything? I don't, I don't, I'm not in that world. I don't do the wads every week. So I don't even know if what my thoughts are accurate. All I do is see the end result um in terms of injuries right and i'm sure you guys see it as well but I, I really think the whole community aspect of of crossfit and and what that stands for and the fact that everyone's doing these workouts as a group it is a group uh effort when you're doing these exercises or wads that is spot on and i think we need more of that in the in the movement space and there's there's others that are on point with that too like martial arts i think are really good mm-hmm. you know brazilian jiu-jitsu or um karate or kickboxing or whatever you're doing it in a group setting or even boxing right you're partnering with someone um and i think that that's a big thing that i think we miss how many like how many big box gyms you go into where there's 100 people 
No one is talking to each Everyone's other. Everyone's got their, their iPod Everyone's on. Everyone's got yep. headphones in. Everyone's looking down. Everyone's doing bicep curls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that really, that is not fitness or movement. That is like, that is like the commercialized sellout version of fitness. And, um, you know, we were in Miami recently and there's some places that from the outset, you're like, oh, that's a big box gym. But then you look at it and they're breeding this culture of community. They're breeding this culture of, um, you know, having that sense of camaraderie in the gym where someone, you know, I was at a, a gym in Australia, actually, Perform 360. Shout out to Brent at Perform 360. They just have a beautiful culture there. They have one where, like, if you walk in with headphones, people will go up to you and poke you and are like, yeah, what are you doing, man? Take those things out. Like, we're doing a workout together. That's awesome. Um, they get people to partner up with the workouts. They have a kid's day where kids come in with their parents and everyone works out together. Like, it's just, they're breeding a sense of community and they're actually weeding out the people that are doing the whole headphone solo route so that that person doesn't, you know, who knows? Maybe that's just what they're used to. Maybe they, they're just socially, you know, they're, they're used to being socially isolated, so they're not good at being social, but they get included. They get roped into this good community effect, and I, I think there's something special there so that that's another thing that people help rediscover the joy of fitness when they're doing it in a group setting. So I think that's super yeah, powerful. And, and, and that's huge when you just look back to, like, think, like, the caveman days, right? Like, we were meant to be with a sense of community we were meant mm-hmm. to be experiencing life with people and to move yep. and to bring all those things together in this modern era that we're in i think is huge and that's why those types of people and those types of companies are succeeding you know for sure and you know that's we're trying to breed a community with the footner program where it's not one person or one group teaching everyone else it's like everyone's teaching each other we're all figuring shit out as we go and um we're going to be wrong right mm-hmm. part of getting better and improving and evolving is being wrong at some point always you and have to fail. So yep. many people are resilient to admitting they were wrong. And it's like that resilience is what gets, makes it so that you're left behind. And back to that community thing, you know, that we talked about before, where if you're doing something you're supposed to be doing, it gives you a positive feedback loop. If you were a loner in caveman days, you were dead. Okay. Because no one helped you hunt. No one took care of your offspring. You know, no one shared food when food was hard to come by. So I do think, <clears throat> you know, the, the mental health element of being mentally healthy is partially a positive feedback loop of having a community because if you didn't have that, the incentive was to get it back when, yeah. right? If you if, if evolution wants you to survive, they want you to feel shitty when you're a loner and they want you to feel good when you're part of a community. And, you know, we call it mental health now, but feeling shitty mentally is is part of just not having a community, not having a supportive community, whether that's your family or your extended community that you uh, consume fitness with or that you speak with or that you meet with or whatever. Like it's, you know, you can be in an apartment building with thousands of people literally living on top of each other and not know anyone else. Yeah. And not speak to anyone else. And how crazy is that? That's bizarre. And we're like the most connected that we've ever been through the matrix, through social media, through Instagram, but we're the most disconnected we've ever been in terms of human contact and like genuine human communication. And I think that's, it's not hard to see why so many people are depressed or anxious or mentally unhealthy. It's really not, right? And it's really not that complex. It's simple, but it's not easy because we've hardwired our society to become so dependent on getting lured into things like Instagram where it hard it like hacks our our feedback loops in our brain to give us pleasure without what actually without the human element of what actually is supposed to create that pleasure. Right? You right. get you get pleasure by getting likes 
which is like this hack to, to get into your neurochemistry when really a like was someone in your tribe giving you a good look or giving you a hug because they appreciate you. That is the, the authentic version of that. We just kind of got this little superficial dopamine bump from getting a like on Facebook or Instagram. And here's the thing. It's not sustainable because it's not the same authentic thing. And what if those likes stop? Right. That's like getting alienated for, from your tribe. You're going to be depressed. Duh. Makes perfect sense. So, and you have no control <laughs> over that. It's yeah. other people dictating exactly. your feelings, your thoughts, your happiness. And yeah. again, kind of go back to fitness. You know, you're responsible for your own body. Yes, sometimes you need some guidance from afar. Sometimes you need um, that workout partner or somebody who has the same goals as you. Um, but to to have us empower you to make your own decisions, to take care of yourself, to educate yourself, and to find that community, I think is a really powerful tool that we need to, since we have all this access information now, it's more about... Um, we can help analyze it for you, but we're going to empower you to figure out the best information as well. Yes. It's all about like people need to be given guidance and not mm-hmm. be told what to do. Yep. Right. And I think those are different. You could construe them as the same, but I think they're different. And so many people, and we talked about this, how crazy the world of, of health is and, and especially physical therapy and especially rehab where the shittier you are at your job or the more money you want to make off someone, um, or sorry, the shittier you are at your job, the more money you do make off someone, right? Like if you want to empower someone, (laughs) if you see someone for three visits, why? Because you did a really good job, you educated them, you made them understand what they need to do to take care of their own body, okay? And that person gets better, which is how it should happen. By the way, if you're doing rehab for a long period of time, you're not getting better, find someone else to go to because they're probably not being given the right advice. Um, And part of that advice is getting rid of the things that are causing the problems. And if they're not telling you that, then it's same thing. It's not being effective. Um, but the better you are, the you know three visits cost way less money than thirty visits. Yep. And I think the sad reality is, you know, in Canada, a lot of these big, I call them McPhysio chains, because they're just like so many of them popping up, and they're just mills, right? It's, it's basically a money factory. The physios get burnt out because they have to see four people an hour. The patients are unhappy because they're not getting better. They get little small bumps of getting better every time they walk in, but it, the problems don't go away. The doctors get frustrated and they're like, well, physio doesn't work because you've been doing it for six months and you know better. You know, and this whole thing is just a mess. And the rate limiting step is, I feel like an easy way to help solve this problem is to take the physio regulatory colleges and get them all to take, you know, for lack of a better term, take their heads out of their asses and understand what true physical therapy is. True physical therapy, reconnecting people with movement implementing an objective measure like the fms should be the gold standard taught in every single school the fms in my opinion should be the base for physical uh physical education curriculums in school like why not make the fms when you're in high school okay phys ed physical education education about being physical about your physical body mm-hmm. why not make it so that you're graded the whole class like we blend community and movement quality okay easy way to do that take the fms it's already been designed there it's a good system Okay, it doesn't. People that poo-poo the FMS don't understand what the FMS is, right? It's it's like people saying, "Oh, an eye chart isn't good because it's it doesn't tell you how to correct your vision." Well, duh, it's not. It was never intended to correct your vision. It's designed to tell you whether you got good vision or shitty vision, right? The FMS mm-hmm. is to say whether you have good movement or bad movement. It doesn't tell you where to go, but it's just an objective measure that everyone should do. Why not make high school have kids do the FMS in small groups, run the FMS on themselves? and on the people in the group 
and then have your mark be be dictated by how well you progress through the FMS. Like get twos on everything. If you get twos on everything, get A plus physical education. And the kids that are the worst starting out and end up doing well, you know, the kids that are the worst starting out are actually the ones that get the most from it. And then they can screen all the parents because the parents need it too. Um, but that, you know, simple solutions like that where that there's no budget needed for that. Mm-hmm. Right? No one need, like Greg Cook would love if that was implemented as a blanket rollout to all schools. And think of how much that changes an entire generation of humans when they have a baseline knowledge of movement quality. And, and, and you know, maybe you, you give them a little bit of stuff on what to do. Like they have to figure out how to improve their movement if they want to improve their FMS. So you're automatically going to do some corrective stuff and some movement quality stuff. Yeah, once in a while you play some dodgeball, throw balls at each other. That's fun. But that shouldn't be the core of what physical education is, right? Right. Yeah, and so, I, feel, I feel like by using that as the metric of measurement for how someone moves their body is just so much better than where it's at now or at least where it was back when we were in like elementary school like yeah. we had i think the testing we had was like that sit and reach where you're like trying to see how flexible your hamstrings are <laughs> I, I could never even touch the machine that you're supposed to move if you have uh, longer arms like you're obviously advantaged towards yeah. or if Sh- you have longer legs, legs you're disadvantaged yeah and yeah, so you were at a major disadvantage so I, yeah i never even touched the machine got like zeros <laughs> but i mean then the other thing would be like how many sit-ups you can do in a minute and you're just yeah. bouncing your upper back off the ground to get it done. And or the beep test. The beep test, yeah. It's, it's just like, 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 again, it's the idea where the people implementing it are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. It's just that they don't have the right information. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that that's kind of a core of what we're saying here too is, um, you know, people are trying to get the right things done, but we need to just give them the proper tools to do that. Yeah. And everyone our age and younger should know how to do a squat, how to do a hip hinge, how to do a pull-up, how to do everyone. a push-up. Because everybody the 80-year-olds that treat right. need to know that shit too. And and yes, you can come to us when your normal squatting pattern is causing knee pain, and we yeah. know how to adjust that, those modifications. Um, but those basic movement principles, everyone should have an idea and not and not just clueless because you need your body your whole life. If you don't have your body, then exactly. it's going to be tough to get around and, and be happy and do things you want to do. Um, and like, and like you've always advocated, um, PE class is a great way for that to start. Exactly. Like what better play? Like that's, you're literally educating the generation when they're kids. Like this is the most important part. And it's the part where we're failing the biggest because kids sit all day. They get nothing in terms of physical education. No one even talks about sleep and diet. Like that is where you're supposed, like who gives a shit about algebra? Okay. I don't use algebra. I swear. (laughs) Basic math is like out of my scope of scope of potential now because i got a calculator that's also a supercomputer in my pocket at all times so why am i being told how to do long division in 2019 when girls butts on instagram is hacking kids brains and making them depressed why are we learning algebra okay why don't we get told how instagram is dangerous like that's the whole thing with like footner program is designed to have a current platform of health education that evolves with the time that evolves quickly Right, it doesn't take thirty years for the curriculum in a school to evolve. It takes a month, and if better information comes out, guess what? Oh, okay, we did it like this before. Now we know this, so we're gonna do it like this because this seems better. Mm-hmm. Everyone, test it. Give us feedback. If it's not accurate, we'll go back to the old way or whatever. And I think you know, back to the FMS, that should be the gold standard for physios or for health professionals. You know, I don't yep. care if you go see a chiro, massage therapist, or a physio. If you can tell, if they're all doing different things. Someone is not doing the right thing. Right. Right. Why doesn't everyone get movement screened? Why isn't that just done? Right. Why can't patients go to their doctor and say, here's my movement screen score right now. 
I'm going to go see a physio. If I come back and my movement screen hasn't changed, guess what? That physio sucks or they're not doing the right stuff or they're not becoming better informed. Like these are, it's really simple to clean up the entire world of health and rehab, but it has to be something where um, everyone does it together. And I, I think it has to be, it, it starts with individuals implementing these things as hard screens. Like it's non-optional. Everyone does this. It's just part of what we do. It's how we determine whether we're actually, whether you're actually getting better or not. Right, because me saying you're getting a little bit better doesn't mean much. Mm-hmm. You having a bit less pain doesn't mean much. Because do we actually change why the pain is there in the first place? Well, I don't know. How do you know? Well, you do an objective screen. That's what a screen is for, and we just don't do that right now. Um, and I, I really think that that's a a big reason why the entire rehab industry is just lagging behind where it should be, and why personal trainers are starting to encroach on our scope of practice is because they're doing a better job than the average physio. They are. It sucks to say. They're doing a better job because the businesses that physios work for aren't letting them do a movement mobility-based approach, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the physios are pretty comfy, right? You make your money, you deal with people, you think you're doing good, you have no incentive to actually get better. So I don't know what the solution is in terms of aligning interest, but there has to be an, an alignment of if you get good outcomes, you get paid more. And I wish money didn't have to be part of it, but at the end of the day, humans are just we abide by game theory. If there's an incentive, we go based on that. You want someone to do this behavior, incentivize it financially, it'll get done. I promise. So yeah, it has to change. It has to get better. It has to be acknowledged that we're falling behind first. Cause I think everyone in the physio world is like, Oh yeah, we're pretty good at what we do. It's like, yeah, really? You don't know very much about movement then because we suck at what we do right now. Cause why is the biggest predictor of injury previous injury? Cause we suck at what we're doing. Like it's, it sucks to, to say, but it is, that is the harsh reality. And, and you get people in these little isolated silos getting better, but as a whole, I think we're still spinning our tires because the incentive is to not improve. The incentive is to see people for more visits because it's more profitable. You make more money. We abide by incentives. So, anyway. and, and along with that too, I mean, why do you have to wait until you're in pain yes. to go to your doctor or to go uh, yeah. to your physio or to whatever? It's like, we should implement, I mean, for the people, obviously, ideally, physical education would teach you this early on, but since it hasn't, for the people that are already adults, mm-hmm. why would we not have an annual physical that does a movement screen yeah. that picks up on these things prior to them becoming a major issue? Exactly. You know? it's, it's, that makes the system really difficult, too, because if you're always just seeing people in pain, your goal is to just decrease their pain. You're right. Whereas if they're moving bad, but they come to you and they're like, I don't have pain yet, but, you know, I want to make sure I don't have pain. Exactly. I want to keep it that way. Right. Um, I feel like that would help a lot too. Who, yeah, we got to find the dude in the dental world that got that into play because it includes in the dental world, you get two annual cleanings to make sure that you don't have a cavity that festers so nasty that you have to rip your tooth out. Right. Like it's preventative. It's proactive. And all we do with our teeth is chew food. Right. Like the joints in our body are probably (laughs) more important than our teeth. I'm just sorry, dentists, if you don't think that, but um, why don't we have some sort of preventative measures in there? Like, and there's research to support this. This is what I don't understand. So if you work for an insurance company or you direct some insurance company, listen up. It's cheaper to make sure people are moving screened than it is to wait until they break down and then have to do a bunch of surgery. Like you will literally, you want to know about financial incentives? It's cheaper. You'll make more money. You know, this, these are the people we've got to get to. We almost need like this, this movement lobbying committee. Okay. The term lobbying is like, has a bad rep because a lot of lobbying is, should have a bad rep. But if we had a lobbying movement for movement, a move, a lobbying movement for movement. Yeah. That, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> I know where you're going. If you had a group of people that went to insurance companies and they're like, okay, sit down. We're going to have a talk. 
Okay. Right now, this is how you're doing it. This is how much your average um, client costs you based on the premiums they're paying. Do you want to pay less out? Do you want to make more money? Yes. If I knew a way to make you more money, would you listen? Yes. Perfect. Let's talk. Because right. if people got movement screen and they weren't breaking down as much, you can still collect the same premiums, but people are healthier. They don't need as much medical help. And you know this should be a pre- you, an easy way. Only send your patients. Only allow your patients to get covered at clinics that do movement screens. Boom. That's an easy, hard metric. And then automatically, two things happen. Number one, they're not allowed to go to certain clinics. Number two, probably a likely scenario, if you're a clinic and you don't do movement screening and you don't get patients because they're not allowed to come see you. You're going to start. You're going to start. Exactly. <laughs> Financial incentives. Incentivize it in a good direction and people will listen. So I think there's a lot of fairly simple solutions to, you know, this big, big problem that we have starts with little simple solutions. And I think movement screening is a big lacking element. Physical education is an even bigger lacking one that I think would be easy to implement. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think despite all the doom and gloom and how we you know, we're kind of talking crap about the rehab world, but I, I really think that there's so much untapped potential that we're not even getting into that, um, that we really could, right? Like physical therapists could also help people in all realms of physical health, like basic education about sleep. That should be in the physio school curriculum. Basic, basic education about what you're putting in your body. Okay. Yeah. Some nutritionists are going to get pissed because, you know, their territory is being stepped on, but like there shouldn't be territories in health. Okay. Like stop being so tribal. We're all on the same team of getting people healthy. If I can give people the basic base of the pyramid advice and then send them to you, a nutritionist who I think are still learning a really old curriculum, like even older than what we learned in physio school. So part of me is like, I don't want to send someone to a nutrition to a nutritionist because are they going to get taught that the food pyramid is good? Because it's not, you know, like it's just, it's tough. So you almost have to just learn about stuff yourself. And if you just get people to understand how to vet through the noise, they can learn about what to eat because eating the food you put in your body is not, is actually a very easy thing to understand. We're just, it's being complicated for the sake of, you know, forcing people to be confused and not really understand, but also because it makes you seem like you have to be a guru in order to give people diet advice. And it's not true. It's like just eat shit that was alive or grew in the ground at some point. Voila. You're yep. automatically eating better. Yep. So, and, uh, as, and as therapists, we have that time to connect with patients on those things. You know, if yes. you see me, I get 40 minutes with my patients. If I see them, let's just say six visits, that's 240 minutes. That's that a lot we of time. can, you know, yeah, we can talk about, you know, the new episode of Game of Thrones <laughs> or how bad my fantasy football team is. But we could, you know, take five minutes of that and just ask, How's your sleep been? Yeah. Do you want advice on how to sleep maybe a little bit better and help your recovery process here? Because you will get better if you're getting eight hours a night. Yeah. Your 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 phone's not in your room like we talked about yeah. this morning, and uh, and just and just even that general advice, they'll listen because they know their knees getting better. They 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 like you. They come to you. Yep. And uh, we're we're in a perfect spot to do that and you already have a rapport your your rapport is already revolving around the realm of health sleep is a massive pillar in the realm of health why not talk about it i ask patients i ask every single patient that i see how many hours of sleep do you get per night do you know that we should be getting eight hours what do you think stops you from getting a full eight hours those those three questions mm-hmm. that's a five-minute conversation that is not being had with anyone else in the world of health in most cases the doctor's not having that conversation Yep. How powerful would it be if a doctor prescribed eight hours of sleep? Didn't you have a story about a patient? The doctor told them prescribe get eight hours of sleep and go on a walk or something like that, and the patient was upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, That's it the was. problem. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were they were looking for the quick fix, I think, and um, 
the doctor did a great job of telling them what they probably needed. So, but yeah. I think yeah. And another part is like that doctor should tell them this is why I'm this is why I'm giving you this and not these drugs, because I think yeah, I would love to know. I love those patients because I'm like, why do you why do you feel like that? Why do you feel it wasn't a successful visit unless you got a drug prescription or something like that? And when you really dig down, eventually you make them realize how silly it is. Or you don't tell them how silly they are for thinking like that. You ask them questions of where they heard these things or why they have that opinion. And eventually they're answering questions where they're like, oh, shit, that's a really dumb way of thinking. But you make them self-realize, mm-hmm. right? Because no one likes to be told what to do. But if they come, to, if they're brought to a conclusion with a logical, friendly conversation with someone, and you have to care about people, right? I think you have to give that vibe off that you actually give a shit about them. Um, because then like they're, they're, they're way more receptive. You're like, okay, I, I am on your team. Okay. Joe, I'm on team Joe. I want Joe to be healthy. I want Joe to be happy. I want Joe to sleep. I want Joe to have good family relationships. I'm on your team. Let's talk about what Joe can improve. Right. I'm not trying to sell. I I don't make money by, by you sleeping better. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, I'll probably make less money because you won't break down as much, but I'm on team Joe (laughs) and Joe needs to know you're on his team. And I think once, once that rapport is built, you're right. It's the perfect place to open up the conversation um, of, of health in all these different realms because they know you're not trying to sell them something. Right? Right. Everyone's trying to sell you something. If you're trying to sell health, number one, you're always trying to put yourself out of business. <laughs> and, and number two, you, you have that relationship. And I think you're right. Physical therapists are in a unique situation because if you treat like, you, like, like we should and you actually spend time one-on-one with someone for 40 minutes or an hour or whatever it is, then you have more time with that person to be more impactful than potentially any other health professional in their life, even if they're paying more for the other ones or they have DR in front of their name. So I guess you guys are doctors officially now, Um, doctors of physical therapy. So yeah, that's powerful. And we underestimate the power of that relationship and the the power of the amount of time we have per encounter with that person to, to literally change their life. Right when someone comes up with knee pain, I'm not thinking about their knee pain. I'm thinking about how do I make this person age better and live a healthier life for the rest of their life. Yep. And and you're always a resource. That's another thing too. It's like I'll often tell patients, you don't need to come see me anymore. Right? Like you know everything you need to know for the next month of what you need to work on. Right? You don't need to come to me to be your cheerleader. Okay. Keep yourself honest. Do you want to get out of pain? Yes. Perfect. If you do this stuff, tell me how long you want to spend each day on your body. Five minutes to start. Perfect. Five minutes. Here's what you got to do in five minutes. Right. But then I always say if down the road you get lost or you fall off the boat or things get busy and you forget what you should be doing or you just need, you've worked on this, that problem's gone. Now you're like, I don't know what to work on now. I'm always here as a resource. Right. And leaving the door open, if they really believe and see the results in what you're doing, they're going to come back. Right. But they're not going to come back every week or multiple times a week. They're going to come back every three months, every six months. You know, I always try and leave my patients with a, um, like I don't practice as much now because we're talking about this today. Instead of treating individual patients, I do one day treatment sessions with 30 people is the way that I picture it. <laughs> um, but, but say like, if you want to come back to me once a year and we'll screen your movement, see how you're doing, clean up what you need to be working on. Yep. You can tell me what you want to work on, what your new goals are. Let's do that because that's a good thing to do. Right. And I think the, the only rate limiting step then, because almost if you've done a good job, every patient will say, yes, I want to do that. Then the only rate limiting step is, okay, how do we make, sh- how do we schedule this now and make sure you get reminders so that you show up for that and don't forget about it. And I think in the age of, you know, this little brick supercomputer that we have attached to us at all times, that's not a hard thing to do, right? Get, get it to fire off a notification a couple months out and then that week and they will remember to come. Right, but we just got to figure out ways to to reduce the potential for failure. 
end in 2019 now. You can find all of 2010. us. <laughs> whatever year it is. Back in 2010, we were doing Shaw's cat phrases. But, yeah, yeah cat uh, phrases. 2019, you can find all of us on social media. You can yep. go to our websites. Um, you can listen to us podcast. And, and you can benefit a lot from that, too. It's not necessarily, yeah. oh, I need to wait three weeks to get in to see them. Yes, Maybe so listen right. to the podcast that we put out or you put out on knee pain. And listen to that first. I'm like, oh, like that's a good way to think about. It. Maybe yeah. I'll try that first. It's a little refresher. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. There's so much free information. It's more about finding like people that you believe in the information they're putting out, and then just keeping tabs on what they're putting out. Because I really think that if you, I think podcasts are powerful. Like you guys should start a podcast, and as soon as you do, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll let people know about it. You know, it takes a Definitely. while to get good and get better at delivering it, um, and and get good topics, but. That's your biggest loudspeaker to speak to whoever wants to listen to you, right? Beyond your city, beyond your country even, which I've kind of learned through TFC. It's a very, it's a strange world where you can reach anyone on this planet that has access to some sort of computer or phone. And it's, um, it's very interesting who ends up, who you end up reaching. So let's, a couple more things. Let's talk about um, grad school. So we all kind of talked about this on the car right on the way here, like, when we were in grad school, we were probably the unhealthiest and the shittiest movers of our lifetimes because it's literally a super stressful time. You're sleep deprived most of the time. Um, you're just, you guys don't drink coffee, which I'm very impressed with, uh, but you're consuming a lot of stimulants, a lot of caffeine to try and let you get that extra hour of studying or whatever. And you often don't have as good of a physical practice because it's just so much stuff to do. Physio school is chaos. I think if you took out the fat, it'd be 50% less chaotic. If you took out the fat and added 25% in of movement, you would learn way more and you would be way less stressed. You'd actually be healthy. Like you should be healthier. If you're going into a program that teaches health, you should be healthier when you come out, not way less healthy. Right. Um, and I think like that's a prime example of how resilient they are to change or how little they're up to date on things because why are you going to a program that teaches health and you're all sitting in chairs all day? Right. That's right. weird. Hmm. Uh, why is no one even talking about a squat or mentioning the word hinge? Hmm, that's weird. You know, so I think it just shows you how resilient they are to change or how little they're actually up to date on on movement and on the body and all this kind of stuff. Like I know the professors that we had were the nicest people in the world and they were so smart and they were so awesome, but they weren't movers. They didn't move. Most of them probably couldn't do a squat. Most of them, none of them lifted weights, the ones that, you know, taught me. And so I think we just need to take a step back and say like, okay, if we're teaching health, Let's make the program about health. Let's make the program about helping people rediscover health themselves. Because if you came out of an undergrad for four years, you're probably a shitty mover, right? You probably did a lot of sitting. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it just it needs to start at the top. And it needs to start with, like, our profession is preaching this to other people. So yeah. for our curriculum to be based around, you know, sitting for eight hours <laughs> as we're just, like, trying to cram in information all day. Yeah. It, it doesn't translate well and not to mention you're not going to retain it as well and uh, like like there should just be standing desks in yeah. all pt that should be the standard right <laughs> yeah. you should take a break every half hour and do like 10 squats as a class yeah. or you know there, there needs to be things implemented where we're using the things that we're learning about yes you know like we're, we're learning about the body we need to use the body in order to learn more effectively about mm -hmm. it um yeah I, I just feel like it's hard to you know preach what you're not practicing yes and even like learning about the body we we compartmentalize it so much that you lose sight of the movement part it's like okay this is how a joint behaves and a muscle behaves in a dead body 
that doesn't have a functional nervous system. We dissect a body, origin insertion, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Joint accessory motion. Okay, well, what happens when someone's alive and has a nervous system moving? Oh, all that shit gets thrown out the window? Hmm, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad we invested all this money learning about that. You know, and I think anatomy is important, but I think we should be learning functional anatomy. Right. right? Instead of like anatomy based on cadavers. It's so silly. It doesn't apply. And uh, Mike Boyle taught me, um, I bought his book, read through his book, and he taught me... Uh, when you take a step, all your muscles are preventing you from falling to the ground. And then when you when you finish through that step, they're all pushing you away from the ground to take that next step. Yeah. So that, right back to that functional anatomy part. And uh, how, as we as therapists, implement that to people instead of, you know, your quad extends your knees. Well, yeah, it does do that. But in a functional sense, yeah, all your muscles are preventing your knee from falling to the ground. So there's a completely different way that I've ever thought about yeah. anatomy and in that regards, functional anatomy for sure. And like, okay, yeah, let's do passive assessments. See how much your joints move on a table. Oh shit. Now we have gravity and that's where you live your whole life. Hmm. Maybe we should spend more time seeing how you react under gravity. than we should passively assessing your hip range of motion. Cause I don't think those two correlate to, to giving you the same data set or you as useful information. Um, yeah, I just think like we're. Uh, well, it's I, crazy. It's crazy right now. My brother's in physical therapy school. Interesting. He's in his second year. And is there and, any evolution based on from when you did it? Uh, no, I would say not. <laughs> so, and that makes it that makes it. And then I again, I'm not there in class. I don't know exactly everything yeah. going over. But do they have he, standing desks? He expressed no. There he expresses. <laughs> I was just gonna say he expresses the same frustrations of. Um, and, and the one thing that we both agreed on multiple times is when finals come around and you have six to eight tests in a week and there's a, a whole semester of information and you're supposed to somehow uh, retain that? all that, get that on your brain and also sit all day and study it. And it's just, there's just, there's gotta be a better way to do it. Like that doesn't help with long-term retention either. Like, right. You're going to cram it between one test to the other <laughs> yeah. one, try to remember it for an hour, right. spew it out on a test, and then like you're not going to remember that a week from now, a year from now. Uh, yeah, it's so crazy. Like, why don't you just check out people's movement? Like, why don't you? Why right. isn't part of your mark? Okay, here's a good OSCE station. Do a squat. Perfect. A plus because you actually did a squat, and at the start of the semester you couldn't do it. Good. You know how to build. You know how to fix someone's squat because you fixed right. it on yourself. You know what I mean? Like it can be things can be so much simpler. And I think they jam all this crap in there to make you feel like you're getting value for the tens of thousands of dollars you're paying them. You know, I think if your brother said, oh, can we get standing desks in here? Like sitting's really bugging me. And, you know, we're going to get people from sitting to standing, or at least that should be a goal. Right. So why don't we do it ourselves and see the problems that we develop by going to standing because our hips are still sitting hips and then learn as a group how to fix that and give people advice so that standing is comfortable because that's way better than whatever class you're about to teach me about the arthrokinematics of the shoulder joints, you know? <laughs> so I think it can be so much simpler. It can be so much more impactful. You know, you learn, basically in Canada, you learn how to pass the national exam in physio school. You don't learn how to be an effective therapist. I mean, that's what you were saying earlier in the car too was Whack. about the foot, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, it's too it's too complex <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. We can we learn about the foot Nah, it's too complicated we don't have enough time uh it won't be tested <laughs> what it's so important and yeah. ultimately it comes down to we need just like you said we need to practice what we preach if we aren't wearing you know going barefoot more wearing men's style shoes if we aren't using kind of sit to stand desk or just varying our positions throughout the day if we're not eating healthy 
no one's going to listen to you because if we're not doing it, why, why should they? So exactly. it really needs to start with, with us and especially the, the variety of movement. You know, we know how bad sitting is for us Yeah, and you don't have to stand for eight hours a day, but you, sh- you shouldn't be sitting or standing. You know, you got to have that variety. Exactly. Well, and, and why not in class? I mean, do what we're doing now. Be, be on the floor, sit in 90, 90 position when you're learning about the hip in yeah. a lecture or like just get a feel for it so you can kind of correlate the two like oh i'm learning about interrotation my back legs internally rotated like you know what i mean it just it makes more sense to connect it with a body movement for sure. versus just like here's what this looks like on paper memorize that you know <laughs> yeah so yeah like we're literally sitting in a hotel room right now there's a bed behind us there's an, a, like a, a bench there's a couch there's a chair and they're all push to the side and we're sitting on the floor <laughs> and all of us are fidgeting every five minutes we change right. position this is normal people that's this how, how it should, should be, be. Yep. exactly the whole point of sitting on the ground is your right. ass gets sore in 30 minutes that is the signal to move right instead of sitting on a, a, a chair that feels like a, a cloud um yeah i think it's just so it's so crazy and you said something really cool about the way that you i don't know how you and you can probably tell us like how you discover this but you said that you would read your notes and record them and then you'd go play basketball and you would listen to the recording of you saying your notes and absorb the information that way with movement. Like, did someone tell you to do that or you just discovered it yourself? No, I, I, I don't even know how it began. I think it was That's genius. Just, it just kind of started organically where I was just, you know, sitting in my room, looking at my computer screen, looking <laughs> at my notes, just like literally sitting all the time. And it's like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I think it probably started with looking like, okay, is there you know a podcast or yeah back then probably i guess like a youtube video i don't know something i can just like listen to when's back then we're so old now (laughs) age myself um but no and and then i i think it was just like throughout my body i've just out or throughout my life oh sorry um i've always just learned better while moving my body so um it started with having a standing desk in my room you're not alone by the way people just don't know that that's how you learn better oh that, right. yeah i think that's all of us probably yeah, um, sure. that's humans but but so it started with just having a standing desk in my room and i would just do squats every couple slides that i'd page through on a lecture that's amazing um but yeah then i one day i was just looking at my phone and saw the little audio recorder and i was like okay i'm just gonna like say my notes out loud to myself probably sound crazy and then i'm just gonna play this back later and listen to it and i feel like that was a huge game changer for me where it's like yeah, I can go enjoy my life outside and move my body and play hoops and go on a walk around the lake while I'm taking in this information. And I you'll need take to it remember. in way better. Also, and, oh, and, yeah, remember it way better. Exactly. For the record, Brad never shared those notes with me. So, <laughs> hey, uh, not, he did better in school, so he he is a lot smarter. But it also is some proof that it worked. But uh, um, I'm just hearing about this the last couple of weeks, so I wonder what else he's, he's been hiding. But that was like no. the last game of the golf, too. He was at like zero, and he crushes out the last round. He's like, watch this comeback. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, In my brain, I'm like, there's no freaking way he's coming back from this. And kills us both. Yeah. The last one just drains him. Deceptive. Yeah. Under- underdog story. Back to the whole practicing what you preach thing. I mean, you know, so I've been designing the Footner program as like this compendium. Basically, I just said, okay, I want people to be able to give and deliver workshops and seminars like I do. What do I have to do to make sure that I can actually believe that they can do it to the same level right like not to say that i'm perfect i'm far from perfect and far from any expert in any realm but i want them to be at least brought up to speed because i've been obsessing over this for two and a half years like there is a bit of a learning curve um and basically what i decided on was create a an excel document or a numbers document that is a compendium of anything i've ever learned from so textbooks you know those two mandatory textbooks that are included in the tuition um 
there's a ton of podcasts, a ton of articles, a lot of YouTube videos, right? Because those are the best resources that I knew how to learn from. And part of the Footner program are projects. And it seemed, I, I almost debated not doing it because I'm like, oh, this seems kind of corny, they're projects. But the whole thing is practice what you preach, right? The master project is can you go down into a barefoot bodyweight squat with your feet together and, and hang out there for 60 seconds? And how do you submit your project? You just tag Footnerd Program on Instagram, right? It's a, it doesn't have to be public, uh, but that's how you submit your project. Like, it's so simple. It's a, in, if someone in England has to be able to show me that they can do that. They can do it in one second, right, with a platform that any 10-year-old can open an account with. You know, another one of the projects is going through five beam progressions, you know? So that, that Barefoot Squad is the master project because it'll probably take some people a good amount of time. Um, beam progressions, you know, you got to be able to balance on a beam through these five kind of progressions, uh, to show me that you've actually been working on it because the only way to do this stuff is to actually be working on it. Mm-hmm. And you have to show completion of those projects before you take your final Skype exam, which is a very informal, I just fire questions at them, common questions that someone's going to ask you when you're in the world and people are being directed to you as a foot nerd. You know, so practicing what you preach is very, very important. I know that my physio school class, a lot of people were not good movers, right? And part of the problem there is that the marks you need to get into physio school now automatically preferentially choose the people that are super smart so smart way smarter than me right really book smart but the people that are book smart it's almost mutually exclusive apart from unicorns that are like crazy athletes crazy crazy smart book people the people that are super book smart are oftentimes not the people that are moving not the people that are physical not the people that are playing sports or not the people that are talking to people and, and you know working in environments that talk to people. So you're recruiting the wrong kind of person right out the gate. And there's no catch rein in physio school to say you need to work on your movement. None of that. You can graduate physio school you can you know with flying colors and not be able to do a bodyweight squat. That's a problem. <laughs> did you have an interview to get into physical therapy school? I did not. We didn't either. That's which amazed problem. me that That's a big problem. In a in a profession that relies so much on human interaction, yeah. they some schools, some schools do. Yes, but a lot of them in um, Ontario do have interviews, and and some schools don't. And it, it just kind of blew my mind that yeah. in a profession where it's like I need to be able to communicate to you what I'm thinking and what I know. Yeah, um, and that's like that for the, kind of for interesting. The, I, yeah, I thought it was so silly too. Right, and it can be brief, you know. And and like here's the one silly thing with interviews of schools in Ontario that did interviews. You have to go there. You have to take a five hour car ride or a ten hour plane ride to go and talk to someone for twenty minutes. That's silly. That's right. inefficient. You know, for the footnote program, you submit an email application, basic info, and then you send in a three-minute video. And it's, granted, it's one-directional because I don't have, like, th- there's so many applications that you can't schedule a talk with all of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they send you a three-minute video having to be vulnerable and record themselves on video, and you definitely get a glimpse to how good of, uh, of communicators they are, right? And I think that's so important because having someone, people can write and make themselves seem like this very different kind of person than they actually are. And if they're going to be helping people or speaking with people, you got to make sure they can actually speak to people, right? Maybe someone takes a week to formulate an email and makes it perfect, or someone does it in five minutes because that's just off the top of their head. Those people might communicate with you very differently. So yeah, practice what you preach. Physio schools, you got to focus on movement and have some sort of movement metric in there. It's just, they're just behind. And that's part of the, like the Footner program is essentially trying to leapfrog all the, whether even medical school is in the same boat. Like I think I don't know if you have any friends in medical school, but if someone is woke to fitness and listens to podcasts and goes into medical school, it is hell because they're literally learning all the silly shit that we used to do that is so ineffective now. And they're like, well, we shouldn't be learning this. 
Why don't I look, can you just teach us about sleep instead of 50 sleep drugs? Like, is that too much to ask for? Um, so anyway, maybe we'll finish up. Like if you guys, you guys have great questions. Cause so let's talk about this new project that you guys have going on. And you know, this morning you were asking me a bunch of questions about how I went about, um, TFC and you know, basically how it got from the start to where it is now. So talk about this new project you guys have going on, um, with the online sports performance training kind of platform. Um, and then, and then you guys can fire any questions you want at me about TFC and, uh, and I'll answer them as best I can. So, okay. Yeah. So we, um, just this past week, I think it was Wednesday late at night cause we were, we were up grinding late, but, <laughs> nice. um, bold based performance, uh, is what we launched. And basically it's a company. What's the website for that? Bold based. Yep. It's just bold based performance.com. B O L D based performance.com. Cool. Yep. Yep. Um, what was the rationale for the name? Gosh, how, how did we come up with that? We, we, we were thinking like foundation, right? Cool. Like, cause we want to be kind of a, a foundation source, uh, for people. Yep. So that's kind of where we got the base from. Cool. Um, and then bold was just kind of more of a mindset thing where it's just, you know, doing things that are maybe different, um, approaching the world of wellness and fitness a little bit differently and, um, you know, taking a stance and trying to help give people the clearest, um, you know, like we were talking about before, there, there's so much um, mud in the water that I think we just want to be a filter system for trying to give people the yeah, best information, right? Because okay. it's like when we were growing up, we didn't have that. And that's kind of our whole big thing with um, this new company is trying to provide, you know, especially young athletes, but we, we plan on growing from there. But providing young athletes things that we didn't have growing up and mm-hmm. the knowledge that we didn't have growing up and trying mm-hmm. to be a source of trust for them or like a big brother for them um for trying to guide them through that so um yeah we just we just launched um this past week um we have our first program out it's called the bounce program and that's all about speed and power development vertical jump those types of things and trust me it does not include wearing ankle weights around (laughs) around your ankles or or uh you know crushing a bunch of whey protein shakes or anything like that but i really um, like the so when i Sorry to interrupt. When I saw Bolt, so Tom said that you guys had launched that. I didn't even say the name, but I looked it up. It was on one of your um, Instagram kind of bios or whatever. And whenever I saw the bold base performance, immediately what I thought of was a pyramid. And I thought of the base as a pyramid and bold being like highlighting the base. Like make it, like when you make something bold, you're highlighting it. You're trying to capture someone's attention to that. Yep. Bringing importance to the base of that pyramid and you're not telling someone how to catch a football, but you're teaching them how to be a better athlete and have the GPP general stuff that they can then build the rest of their pyramid on. So I really like the name. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, that's, that's where we're at now. And we're, we're focusing on the training aspect of things. And again, being more of that clear source of, you know, the best of our knowledge to this point. And as mm-hmm. we learn and grow, we plan on giving that knowledge to other people as well. Cool. Um, I like it. Yeah. Anything right. to add, Tom? That. No, just our goals with it is to optimize people's performance, whether you're a high school athlete, college athlete, or even a weekend warrior, any type of a person who likes to move and wants to move better and get better at their goals and their sports. Um, we want to change your mindset on how to approach health, wellness, fitness, and in those areas. Cool. And then uh, we want to just, uh, yeah, make a difference and, and grow with you. So, because this is a journey for us and we're trying to learn along. and. We're, we're going to do our best I can every step of the way. Cool. And yeah, it's all, all about training smarter rather than harder because we've been in a situation where you go to the gym six days a week and 
grind yourself down to a crisp and um <laughs> that's that's definitely not the way to at least not every day once in a while you can crush yourself but right. do it responsibly right right yeah. exactly so um you know throughout the the website and the programs and things like that we try to just give knowledge to people so that they can have that sense of autonomy and kind of learn more about training so that you know six months from now they don't need to maybe buy another program because they have those things instilled in them and they mm-hmm. know how to operate their body and, and make progressions on their own so cool cool i like it yeah check out boldbaseperformance.com and i'm sure that like anything it'll be something that evolves starts basic Absolutely. talked about that today doesn't have to be perfect just put something out be obsessed with improving it coming at it from an honest perspective of we're here to help you and uh and yeah i'm sure you guys will do awesome if you keep those principles in mind which i'm sure you will so appreciate it so let's finish off like if there's any questions you guys have um like i said you guys have really good questions and i'm sure other people might share in some of those questions in terms of being curious so if there's anything particular you want to ask um you know when it comes to tfc or what i'm doing you know feel free to shoot them out there and i'll i'll uh i'll answer them as best i can my biggest question is how and why you started tfc i think a lot of people are interested in that and you talk so much about your journey but i think to know a little bit more about the start of it would uh, be super interesting to us and and to anyone who chooses to listen to this podcast yeah like i've answered that i've answered a lot on a lot of in the earlier days i did a lot of podcasts a lot of them are smaller ones uh but i've never actually been you know this podcast has been more about me and mike or you know the people kind of blabbing on so no one's ever kind of interviewed me so basically it started very organically same you know you started bold base because you're trying to give people the advice that you didn't have when you were a young athlete yep and my i started tfc because i realized my feet were messed up my feet my ankles were messed up from having played rugby having ankle sprains from having sat my whole life and just but like my lower body was just a mess it was very imbalanced i had a lot of problems and basically i was applying everything i learned in physio school to the the fullest extent and nothing was improving and so I was like, okay, well, this is weird. I'm applying everything. I know the body changes based on what you expose it to, and I'm not getting better, so I must be missing something. Like, did physio school actually teach us how to get better? I don't think it did because I'm not getting better. So I was like, okay, I'm going to experiment with some stuff. And I tried on conventional stuff. I looked in. I started. That was like the first dive into the rabbit hole of feet. And it seemed like the more I learned, the more I realized how off track we were with how we were treating feet. And the funny thing was it was the simplest things that had the biggest effect. It was changing my footwear that had the biggest effect. That instantly opened up my ankle mobility. It was working a little bit on my hip stability where my knees weren't cracking as much when I squatted because my hips were stable enough to do that job. Um, you know, my ankles opened up because they were, my calves were locked because my hip wasn't doing what it was supposed to. So my calves were taking on that role and they were permanently tight. Didn't matter how much mobility work I did every day to loosen up my calf. I wasn't addressing why my calf got tight in the first place. So, um, Anyway, the simple things making a huge difference made me realize like, oh, I can, I can probably get good at giving people this advice. So I started up the Instagram as basically a way where I was like, okay, I'm going to try and post consistently and get better and better at explaining this crazy stuff that I just discovered that is so simple but so effective and trying to describe it to other people and see if there's a community of people that are interested in hearing about it. Um, and it feels like that was not that long ago. Um, and, and in the grand scheme of things, it actually wasn't that long ago, but things have kind of, you know, TFC's materialized into this beast that I'm still struggling to tame sometimes and trying to figure out, like, how do I stay consistent with the original message of just going out and helping people, but being able to scale it so that I can help way more people. And it's not I, I shouldn't even say that. It's so that I can 
you know, surround myself with people that are smarter than me, that are just as passionate and obsessed with this whole world of health and wellness, starting at the feet. I always tell people it's a health education company, but we're starting at the feet and we're still kind of there, but we're getting closer and closer to um, just talking about the other pillars of health. And we're starting to kind of do a bit of that on the podcast. But, you know, scaling something that keeps stays true to the initial intention is very difficult. <laughs> um, it's It's very difficult if you want to if you have a high expectation of how to do it but i think uh you know given the seminars footner program we're going to start making footwear because it's it's really been a big frustration uh of ours seeing that no footwear manufacturers seem to be willing to make a zero compromise shoe that that allows the foot to exert its full potential in terms of the technology and machinery it has without with just protecting it and that's it no one seems to do it so we're going to do it and we're i think we have a very cool vision for what that can be and 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 just giving people a better product for a cheaper price that's healthy that's literally the goal if i can't make a shoe that is better quality and cheaper than what's currently available and also healthy for your foot then i shouldn't make shoes so from that mindset you know, we have a good vision of how that can be possible. And we're just going to, you know, the prep starts now and we're going to have at it in 2020 with a crowdfunding campaign and just see if we can basically crowdfund a company that's going to forever make footwear that is footwear for the people. And it, it tries to give value to people instead of padding the pockets of an investor. So we'll see how we go on that. Anyway, I hope that was probably a shitty way of answering your question, but hopefully <laughs> no, that, that's a great way. It was my, that's what I, I was, expected. I was messed up. I wanted to learn about it. I realized my mind was blown with how simple the stuff that actually worked was, and then I wanted to spread the message. I, I so. feel like that's a big part of how most people get started with their passion, right? Mm-hmm. Is is having was that know, a necessity? Yeah, right, right. You know, if if you're growing up and you're insecure because you're not a good athlete and you're a skinny tall boy like i was like you get super into fitness and you learn about the body and that yeah. type of thing yes you're the same Very type true. of deal where if your feet are messed up you want to learn more about it and you it just takes off from there and to be passionate about it i feel like is a huge i mean just from being with you these past few hours i, I can tell how passionate you are and i feel like that's a huge part of why you are where you are and cool. why Thanks. you guys are trying to but like um the other thing that i thought was interesting and and uh, i want you to touch on a little bit is just how you manage the social media side of things i know we had talked about that a little bit just with keeping kind of that you know work-life balance or or social media and reality balance yes um just if you could dive into that a bit (laughs) yeah um so like even as part of the footnote program so i've gone through since the first day i started tfc instagram until now i've gone through several phases where it was something i enjoyed it was something I didn't enjoy. It was something that was unhealthy. It was something that I had to figure out and navigate how best to use this tool, which by the masses is used in a way that's very bad for your health. So how do I turn this into something that's good for people's health? Because it's a very powerful tool, right? It's a powerful tool. And you, if you leverage it for the benefit of others and for health, it can be powerful to spread health. Um, and so initially, you know, when there's not a lot of people listening to what you're saying, there's not a lot of pressure Um you know, in terms of it being healthy or unhealthy. But as you get more and more people listening, you then have to figure out, okay, well, how do I continue using this in a way that doesn't come at the expense of my personal health? And, you know, as part of the Footner program, we give a Footner's Guide to Social Media, which I think I should just put out for everyone to have because it is relevant for anyone trying to start up social media. So number one is you always have to recognize why you're... Like, I almost try and evaluate every post and say, why am I doing this post? Am I doing this for myself? Am I doing this for recognition or for, for to show people how much I know? Or am I doing this because I intuitively, intuitively believe it will help people? 
And if the post isn't part of the, like the amount of posts that I didn't press post on because I kind of looked at it and I was like, shit, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for, for the wrong reason. So that's one check rein that's actually hard to do. And the bigger your, you know, I look at social media as a loudspeaker. You start off with like a little tiny mic and then you eventually end up with this massive loudspeaker as more and more people are listening to your message. And, um, and I think the importance, if a lot of people are listening to your message, it almost seems like, well, you know, I have a huge following. I don't have to evaluate these things. I don't have to put the same scrutiny on it. But doing that sustainably forever and making sure you always stay true to the message is actually what I think builds your following, builds an authentic following. Right? Cause some people have millions of followers, but you know, maybe it's because you're a girl with a nice butt or maybe it's because you post cool pictures about cars. But if you want an authentic following, number one, it shouldn't matter how many people follow you. Like I don't, people ask, oh, how many followers do you have? I'm like, I don't know. It's over 100,000. I don't know how much it is because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, if people want to listen to the information, they'll follow. If they don't, then they don't. And I'd be doing the exact same thing I'm doing right now. Maybe not giving as many seminars. Um, but I'd be doing the exact same thing if I had 5,000 or if I have 100,000. It doesn't really matter because the, the, the drive is to spread the message. So um, from a personal standpoint, you have to look. I look at social media as a way, as a one directional communication tool to spread a message. Because it's not the right, Instagram is not the right place to have debates. It just isn't. Right? So you can get deep into the rabbit hole of arguing with people or, or answering people. You know, anyone that sent a direct message to the Foot Collective, I'm sorry if you didn't get an answer, but there's thousands of them in there and I literally cannot keep on top of it if I want to have a sane life, right? Eventually when we have a bigger team, maybe someone will go through and filter through all of them. But um, I think scheduling it in my life where I, I try and put the stuff out consistently, but it's at a certain time of the day. So I do a couple posts in the morning and then in the afternoon, I will choose of my own choosing whether or not to go on there and see the feedback on those posts or see re- replies. And I don't reply to people because, or even, um, you know, any of the comments. Because if I reply to one, I think it's rude to just reply to one and not reply to all the others. So I just don't reply to any because I would have no life. Um, and so use it on your own account. Use, use it when you feel like it and don't be forced to use it. Turn off all notifications. You know, that's a big step. Um, don't, if you find yourself using it late at night and sacrificing sleep in order to answer things or to, to look at things on social media, you're not using it in a way that's healthy. So schedule it in your life as a part of your day. Turn off notifications. Don't read messages. Don't get in arguments. And just block out negativity. Literally, if there's someone negative on there, um, just block them. Like literally block them because it's not worth causing yourself stress by some silly person on the other side of the world that has a very different opinion and is getting offended because you just basically took down their entire profession or their entire way of thinking in one Instagram post. Like, I'm sorry you feel like that, but I'm just trying to help people. So hopefully... Yeah, it's just you got to navigate your own way, right? And and know when to kind of take a third person view and say like, is this is this good for me or bad for me? Is this contributing to my happiness or is this contributing to me being unhappy? And um, and underlying all that, just stay true to the message, right? And I, I we talked about this at lunch. It's like I look at every post as all the posts you do combined, or even each post individually, should be fifty percent education, twenty five percent entertainment, twenty five percent inspiration. If you can blend all those in one post where you're giving someone a good piece of information, there's an entertaining graphic. Because let's be real, when you're competing with you know girls' butts and sports cars on Instagram, you got to be a bit entertaining. And I think that's part of the art of making education entertaining so that people actually mm-hmm. want to consume it. And then uh, the other 25% is inspire, right? Show people that your body changes every day. You have control over that change. You have control over your health. And here's a little snippet of what you can kind of work on. 
And social media is kind of like these little snippets of what we give in the seminar. The seminar is a full experience that ties everything together. So if someone's followed TFC social media, a lot of times they'll say like, oh, I get why those where those 40 posts come together. It all comes together here. But that's something that you can't really give on social media because it's a picture and a description, but you can give in a six-hour experience where you're talking to someone and communicating with them. And our uh, the digital seminar was filmed in February. It's going to be online in hopefully by um, by the start of, before the start of May. So you, it won't be the same experience, but it will be a, the goal with that is to make it affordable, right? So it's not crazy expensive. Um, you know, we're, we're not hundred percent sure, but we're thinking twenty five bucks for the workshop, seventy five bucks for the seminar, the online version. And all of that money goes into next year's filming to make it better and better and better. And if we can, we're going to make it so that when you buy it once, you get access forever. Or if you bought it once, at least it'll be very, very cheap for the next time. So we're still working on that. We're still a very small company, so it's hard to execute these things without a big team, but we're working on it. That was a really long... I'm terrible with answers, man. You're great with that. <laughs> that, that was like a full podcast answer in <laughs> one question. <laughs> so, anything else you guys have questions about? Uh, just going forward with TFC, what do you think? Yeah. You know, if you could touch on maybe one, just kind of did there, but one more big idea or project. Um, we kind of touch on your past and, uh, you know, we'll find out tomorrow what the present's like, but cool. I want to know kind of future... Any one big thing that... Yeah, TFC Footwear is the biggest thing that's exciting me uh, lately. It's the kind of newest project on the horizon. Uh, we're going to make shoes. And we kind of talked on it before. You know, my biggest three projects moving forward will be the podcast, improving the content, the topics, having more guests, having more conversations. You know, we um, first episode of Shoe Talk, we recorded, hasn't aired yet, but or it will by the time this airs. Uh, talking to people in the world of footwear right health conversations show is just talking like this having chats about physio the world of health movement wellness eventually sleep nutrition and then shop talk talking about feet and hips because that's really where it all started and we're still obsessed with that so the podcast tfc footwear and the footner program and if you want more info on the footner program go to the footcollective.com click on footner program all the info is there but that's just trying to build a global network of people we can refer to and have more people available to give the seminars and workshops so those are the three biggest things but the most exciting thing for me is tfc footwear because i really think that we're we have the power to push that industry in a good direction um and away from its current place which is a very nasty place for a lot of people's health so that just reminded me we don't even get into our our footwear growing up (laughs) (laughs) we were all we were all kind of shoe heads from the sound of it like we all loved our shoes collected shoes for lack of a better name and look back now and realize how silly some of those <laughs> shoes were. But that's okay. You know, I always, you know, the Urban Barefoot, Jeff, he's got shoes too. He collects Jordans and some of these very unique pieces of footwear. And basically he said it right. He's like, these are pieces of art now. You know, I, I don't wear a painting on my foot. Uh, I don't wear the shoe on my foot because it's, it's not a piece of footwear. It is a piece of art. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like there's nothing wrong with wearing those once in a while to be able to wear that piece of, um, you know, fashion clothing. But just know that if you go for a walk with your dog, you're not going to wear your Jordans because they suck for your feet. Most of the Jordans do. Um, no, no knock on Jordan. Jordans are awesome, but they're not f- functional footwear is, is all I would say. Yeah. So anyway, boys, thanks for having me here. I hope you guys love the seminar tomorrow. I look forward to your feedback on that. Um, and thanks for being awesome hosts because uh, the golf this morning was awesome. That lunch place. Uh, was delicious and uh, thanks for taking the time to do the podcast too and all the best on your venture uh, bold based performance and maybe just tell people um, your social media accounts so that they want to look you up they can find it out I think you both have accounts maybe they're not 
in full force with regular posts, but I'm sure in future they will be as you guys grow and develop them. So let's go start with you, Tom. Yep. So on Instagram, you can look up performance doc broback. Um, we're also on Facebook, uh, bold base performance. You just cool. search that. Um, we're trying to, you know, look into Pinterest and YouTube and other mediums, but Instagram's kind of the best way right now to, to find us uh, besides our website. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a cap on the amount of social outlets that you can. I don't do Twitter not because I don't think Twitter is good. It just I'm basically redlining myself with Instagram, and I, there's nothing left to start a Twitter account. So I, if if there's any advice, I would say find your niche, the one that best allows the platform that best delivers the message you're trying to send out, and just focus on that. And then you can expand into the other ones. But sometimes you wear yourself so thin right. that you post stuff on everything, and then you're like, oh, I don't even have enough energy to post really good stuff because I'm trying to do it on everything. So, um, yeah. And then what about you, Brad? And mine is uh, at Performance Doc Bake. Perfect. So Cool. Well, thanks again, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. It gives you a little bit of insight into the world of physio and health and wellness. And uh, we'll catch you next time.